Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast. I'm your host, Molly Herford, and I am super excited. We are only a couple weeks away from the Outspoken Summit presented by Feisty Media. It's going to be in Tempe, Arizona, November 11th to 13th, and I'm actually going to be there. That's right. We are officially launching this podcast. This has been in sort of pre-launch mode for a couple months while we tested the waters, talked to some amazing women, uh, but we're going full on live with it. Uh, while we're in Arizona, and I do mean live. So we're recording the first uh, live episode of it talking all about imposter syndrome with some of the amazing speakers at the conference. So I'm just so, so excited to be part of it. You can find out more over at OutspokenSummit.com. And today I am talking all about all things women's cycling with Liz Walker of Live Cycling, which is a bit of a a mouthful to say. Um, Anyway, uh, Liz is one of the coolest race managers in the business. So she runs the um, XCO and the downhill for Live Cycling. She does a lot of work with Giant as well, which is Liv's brother brand, I guess is the the phrase you would use. Uh, And we talk all about how to organize uh, dozens of bike racers who are coming from all over the world uh, to all over the world in order to race. Uh, I've worked as a team manager before, and honestly, the systems that you have to have in place to make a season like that run are just so much fun to discuss because whether you work in an office, whether you work at home, whether you're traveling a lot for work. I think so much of what Liz has to say is so relevant to keeping a very busy life organized. Uh, We also talk about, you know, more of the the global state of women cycling, um, state of women working in the cycling industry. You know, she, part of what she did this past year was one of the races, they brought a fully, uh, fully women's team, fully women's staff, uh, to Cape Epic. So that's women mechanics, women soigneurs. And to me, that's just, such a cool initiative and it's really neat to see more brands doing that more brands really contemplating how they can get more women into some of those more travel heavy roles uh, because that's that's always a bit of a challenge so this is just one of the most fascinating conversations whether you're thinking about getting into the bike racing industry or you're just trying to figure out how to organize your life a little better uh, liz has some answers for you so uh, enjoy this episode with liz walker I may be the first, but I know I won't be the last. Create a little club. Do something. Just do something that's, if it's not there already, create it. Be the leader. If you can knock down that barrier and be the first, it makes it a lot easier for other people to come through without having to go through a lot of those things. Is women supporting women. So we not only have to support each other, but we have to decide that we're going to choose solidarity and act on it. The Outspoken Women in Endurance Sports Summit brings women together to build connections, increase and sustain women's leadership in the industry, and drive forward equity and inclusion. In the past, we focused on women in triathlon, but this year, we are expanding our scope and including all endurance sports with a key focus on business. Learn strategies to help you grow your own business, ways to build your influence and career in the endurance industry, and leave with a network of other women committed to helping you succeed. Join us at the Outspoken Summit from November 11th to November 13th in Tempe, Arizona. Visit OutspokenSummit.com 
or click the link in the show notes for more information and get your ticket today. That's OutspokenSummit.com. The Outspoken Summit. Build your brand, grow your influence, drive your impact. Whether you run, ride, hike, or swim, you understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build endurance, boost energy, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging genetics and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. I love the meal recommendations that come with the analysis. It prompted me to add salmon into my meal rotations, and I am loving it. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty. That's insidetracker.com forward slash feisty, and then use the code feisty at checkout. Okay. Liz Walker, welcome to the Business of Fitness podcast. Um, it's so like it's very difficult to say your name. Like Liz Walker with Live Cycling, it's it's a bit of like a tongue twister. Um, how's it going? Really good. Um, Molly, thanks so much for having me. Uh, funny, I, last week I called myself Liv, and I was oh, like, no. oh my gosh, <laughs> it's taking over. <laughs> <laughs> Which is something that we do talk about in this podcast: is the what happens when your work becomes your your hobby and your passion, and it's all one thing. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, can you explain what exactly you do with Live Cycling? Oh gosh. Um, Yes, I think uh, I think the easiest way to describe it is I'm a team manager of our one of our professional race teams. Um, uh, live racing is kind of the part of live racing that I manage is divided into uh, two categories: um, live factory racing and live racing collective. Uh, I also help out with giant factory offroad team. And uh, if you looked me up in the corporate address book, my title would say sports marketing lead. Oh, okay. Uh, that's a lot of moving parts throughout the year. Um, and actually, so Liv also has, you know, road teams and a bunch of other initiatives and stuff. How close do you work with the other race teams or is it very like siloed off? Uh, I would say it's pretty siloed. Um, both Live Factory Racing and uh, Live Racing Collective are company-owned teams. So I'm an employee of Live. Uh, we own and manage those teams internally. Uh, our road teams are owned and managed externally, although we are big partners. Um, however, I will say that uh, we do have some collaboration with them uh, in a lot of different ways, and particularly uh, with athletes. Um, we converse back and forth about you know, who's interested in maybe crossing over uh and how we can help support each other on both sides of the disciplines mm-hmm. now, i didn't have this on my list of things to ask you about but are you seeing that more and more that like crossover with the athletes i feel like we're yes. kind of almost coming back to this like multi-discipline vibe yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, we just saw over the weekend Pauline Fran Prevost win her fourth world championship jersey uh, this year, which is incredible. 
Um, she actually used to race for live and had the triple crown back then, um, as well. So it's, you know, incredible to watch her continue to perform, um, at the very, very highest level in multiple disciplines. Um, yeah, I think that there's been some inspiration and, um, some intrigue and mystery with, um, Pidcock and Vanderpool crossing over from the roadside and, um, uh, quite frankly, absolutely smoking the men's, um, cross country field. So, uh, I'm seeing a lot of, um, XCO athletes whose heart and soul are in mountain bike racing, wanting to have at least more dedicated training at, um, high levels on, um, uh, world team or even Conti teams. Um, and, and then still, uh, having athletes who have signed with road teams want to come over and trade and try racing, uh, world cup cross country mountain bikes, which makes your job so much easier. I said very sarcastically (laughs) (laughs) for sure. For sure. It's, you know, it's interesting too, that I think, um, mountain bike and off-road specifically, uh, is kind of really going through this, um, growth phase with, uh, discovery and ESO taking over, uh, a lot of the aspects of broadcasting and event production, uh, from Red Bull and the UCI. And, uh, so I think that, um, one, this crossover between road and mountain bike, uh, but also this new partnership with ESO and discovery is really elevating mountain bike to, um, I mean, hopefully kind of match, uh, the level that we experience road cycling. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. The big question how do I get your job? Or really, how did you get your job? How did you end up here? Um, I think that the best, the best way that I've come to describe this, um, before is that it was just like a, um, an alignment of a lot of stars, which is a very vague and you can't really, um, create action items off of that. Um, <laughs> Really, my my background is um, is like a spaghetti bowl rather than a solid trajectory. I um, I studied an undergraduate um, outdoor education, basically, and uh, then uh, worked in the financial aid and accounting office at my alma mater. Not a trained accountant by any means, but uh, I had a really great time there <laughs> uh, for a couple of years. I actually started my graduate degree in business um, for grins and, uh, quit that halfway through. I was 18 credits in because I saw that Liv was hiring, um, a a field rep, a technical representative, um, in the United States. I was like, man, that job sounds super awesome. Um, I had worked in a bike shop for a short period of time. Uh, I had run some kids mountain biking programs before. And I just thought like, wow, traveling around the United States in a sprinter van, talking about bikes and riding bikes and working with women regarding bikes sounds like my idea of a good time. So, um, I quit grad school, did that with live for three and a half years. And at the time I, uh, was really looking for the next level of opportunity with live and it didn't exist. And so I was like, well, my credits are expiring. I'll just go back to grad school. <laughs> so I re-entered my program um, and uh, had a couple of jobs in between there just to kind of like, you know, pay my tuition, uh, make ends meet. And uh, I managed to leave live for all of 10 months before I was asked to come back uh, and work with a team. And my my first comment actually uh, was, um, uh, does Drew know about this? Drew is my partner. I've been with him for a long time and he's a mechanic, uh, on our professional teams. And, uh, I was really worried that maybe he felt like I would be, you know, stepping on his turf, so to speak. 
Um, but uh, <laughs> the answer I got was, well, this is none of Drew's business. And I was like, heck yeah. Okay. Amazing. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> That's so good. Oh my gosh. Uh, so, and then it's just kind of like continued from there then? Yeah, for sure. It, um, it evolves. And I think that, um, I think that the action item or the lesson here for me is saying yes to opportunities that I really felt passionate about or that intrigued me or, or seemed like, you know, maybe it wasn't exactly a step forward, maybe it's a step sideways or even a step backward, so to speak. Uh, but it was something that I thought I was really interested in. And all of these yes opportunities come together and somehow actually made this perfect little package of what it's like to be a team manager. I have to do a bunch of accounting stuff. I have to do a lot of people management stuff. I have to do a lot of planning and contingency planning. Um, so somehow uh, I didn't know this is where I was headed, but somehow I got here. Yep. And the ability to put together a good spreadsheet is important in the business world and in the bike racing world. Yeah, totally. That's for (laughs) sure. (laughs) Okay. Now, I think when people hear team manager, they think of this very glamorous kind of like jet set life and like being at all the races and, you know, kind of soaking in the race atmosphere and getting to hang out and just, it's pretty rad. I mean, and, and arguably it is, but what does, what does like the, the day actually look like, or what does like a trip actually look like? Like walk us through what you're doing heading into a trip and then like the actual, like what it encompasses, which I know could take like hours, but give us the, give us the brief. <laughs> Let me count all the things. Um, yeah, you're right. I, it does, it does seem really glamorous and sometimes I'll post pictures online and, um, or my mom will, I'll send a picture to my mom and she's like, you know, oh, that looks so glamorous. How, you know, living the dream. And I'm like, well, it's somebody's dream, but it's kind of a nightmare sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm moving around. Um, we'll just say somewhere between 12 and 18 people in a big group, uh, all around the world. And so I'm, uh, in, before we start traveling, I'm taking care of the logistics, the accommodations, the flights, the ground transportation, um, any shipping and receiving that needs to, um, be taken care of doing all of this stuff well in advance preparing um, a logistics document or a matrix that shows everybody's um, every move um, from start to finish. And a race week, we'll, we'll call it, it's an actual seven days. So we like to arrive on a Monday um, and then we'll depart the following Monday. And um, the first couple of days, we're setting up our pit infrastructure um, wherever we are. And this is, this is really where, uh, as staff members, we're spending a majority of our time It sounds glamorous to say, oh, I just hang out in the Alps all summer. Uh, Really, I'm hanging out in a um, maybe 16 meter by four meters uh, patch of grass or pavement, um, staring at the Alps from afar. Um, So athletes usually start to arrive um, around Tuesday or Wednesday in the week and their training begins. And so I'm making sure that athletes are where they need to be. Um, staff have what they need to be successful in terms of um, parts and equipment, uh, things like that. We have um, chefs, physios, we have a technical coach, and I'm making sure that all of their time is scheduled for um, flush massage, uh, for workouts, for yoga, uh, getting the coach. Um, particularly, we share our coach between our downhill and cross-country programs, so making sure to schedule which athletes he's going to be with um, and where he's going to be on the track. 
we help prepare lunch and dinner um, for athletes as well. So sometimes I'm in the kitchen um, chopping vegetables or doing dishes. Uh, and it's really easy to kind of get sucked into what's happening right in front of you in the event week. But of course, like my mind is always working, you know, four weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks ahead. Uh, so I'm also working on the computer, answering emails and planning for the next races. Um, racing happens uh, at World Cups, uh, Fridays, Saturdays and Sundays. And so um, pretty much Thursday on, it's full gas of just making sure that uh, we're managing what's happening in the moment uh, so that everyone can be successful. And then Sunday evening, we pack up the circus and we move on to the next location. Oh my gosh. Uh, it's funny because I'm like, oh, the racing is actually almost the easiest part for you because you're like, you're at the venue. You can't leave. You're just kind of on the ground there. So you're not stuck doing all of the other things. It's really when the racing isn't happening that your life is the, the most packed. Um, and I can imagine the past couple of years have been even more fun when you've needed certain documents and this, that, and the other thing to get between countries and get into countries and get on planes. So kudos to you for uh, handling that. Yeah. I've, uh, the last couple of years, I've learned a lot about immigration. Yeah. Oh, that's right. I forgot. Even that stuff is a bit of a nightmare when you're talking about spending several weeks in Europe or, you know, 12 weeks in Europe and now you're overstaying and oh boy. <laughs> Now you, you mentioned kind of your one master logistics document. Do you use any of those like travel apps or anything, or do you keep it more like spreadsheet doc based? Um, I'm a spreadsheet doc based kind of girl. Uh, I've, I've actually never tried to use any of the travel apps. Um, there are apps that we, um, inadvertently end up using, particularly, uh, when COVID restrictions are in place, um, having, you know, uh, digital access to vaccination records or, um, some countries, Canada, for example, has an app that they use to track, um, travelers as well. Uh, but I, I love a good piece of paper and a pen in my hand. I print this document out and I have it on a, you know, Liz's clipboard and, uh, I'm sitting there, I'm scribbling notes and, um, jotting things down and making changes, um, and keeping track of everything, um, uh, pen and paper. I love it. I love it. Please tell me your clipboard is like bedazzled or like just some kind of amazing <laughs> stickers or something. <laughs> if not, it should be. I have two clipboards, actually. One of them, I I think I got it. Um, let me see how old would I was like 1990 or nine. Yeah. 1991. It was in kindergarten and the Sanrio Surprises store at the mall. I got a clipboard with Hello Kitty on it and they wrote my name, Elizabeth, and I still have it and carry it around with me. <laughs> oh, that's so good. I was, when you said like early nineties, I was like, oh, it's going to be Lisa Frank with one of those dolphins on it, but Hello Kitty is just as good. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Now we are heading into the off season for all that stuff. Like worlds happened. I imagine there's probably still, you probably still have some people doing a couple like last races and stuff like that, but we are heading into that, that time of year. What does the off season look like for you? Um, you hit the nail on the head earlier when you said that, um, the races are, are kind of the easy part. Um, I feel like, you know, I, I kind of say it's, it's not exactly accurate, but when I'm at the races, I feel like if I've done my job right or well, um, 
then the race should be more or less a vacation or I can just triage things that happen as they come, um, which means the real work happens in the off season. Right before uh, you and I got together today, I was just finishing up an email um, to two of my colleagues outlining the list of accommodations that I've already booked for next year, um, a year in advance. Uh, so I have um, I have kit designs that I'm doing. We are um, confirming sponsors for the next couple of years. We are booking accommodations and starting travel arrangements. I do have visas that I need to help some staff and athletes acquire. So I'm working on all that paperwork as well. Um, we're also planning a lot. Um, well, budgeting, that's a huge one. I, if I don't have a budget, I can't do any of this. Um, so budgeting is a, is a huge part. Um, right now, one of my colleagues is in Germany um, getting uh, our brand new pit infrastructure uh, installed off the side of our Volkswagen Crafter van, which is what we use at the World Cups to pit out of. Um, we are working on marketing strategy. I am renewing um, or even releasing athletes from our program, um, scouting new athletes, writing contracts and deal memos, um, making sure everybody gets paid, processing expense reports. Um, I'm pretty sure the list could go on. And I'm like looking around my desk. I'm like, oh, I have about like four or five lists going all at the same time. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I want to hide under my desk hearing that right now. <laughs> um, so uh, I have two different directions I want to take what you just said. And the, the one is the more logistical, I guess. But the other one is if someone if someone said like, I want to do what you're doing, do you think you would actually suggest as far as like the career trajectory goes, would it be easier for someone to work with like a much smaller team first and sort of get the sense? Or do you feel like it is a bit of like, you're actually better working with the bigger company doing something at like that smaller level, like you were doing where you were touring around the US to do the tech stuff? Do you think that was actually better than working with like a tiny team? Because I worked with a small team and I had to do some of that stuff, but I did not have to do anywhere near like that. Like there were no visas to be processed. Sure. Uh, you know, I think that there's pros and cons to both. Um, I uh, <laughs> completely unrelated. I uh, I'm an adjunct instructor, faculty member at Colorado Mountain College, and I teach leadership. And I think one of the greatest shows uh, that came out of COVID quarantine is Ted Lasso. And there is this um, there's this episode where Ted is basically saying or implying like you don't need to be an expert at you know doing all the parts of the job. Um, you just need to be a good leader. And I think. I had a little bit coming into this role, I really had some imposter syndrome of like, well, I've never been a professional athlete. I've never been a mechanic. Like, please don't ask me to work on your bike. I don't train athletes. I don't even know how to read power files. And I, none of that, none of that is anything that I'm any good at. I, but I have people on the team who are really good at those things. And I see my role as more of a, of a, a people manager, which is not easy. Um, but I'm just there to help everyone be successful. So I think going back to your question, uh, it is super important to kind of um, already have some logistical prowess uh, and being able to see big picture, but also focus on small details because those tiny little details, when you're in a country where you don't speak the language, you can't read anything, um, you may or may not have service, uh, what what you've done in advance is super helpful um, and and sets you 
you know, with the, with the right wheel forward, so to speak. Um, but, you know, being an expert in, in all the different things that it takes to run a team, probably not necessary. Um, little trial by fire. Uh, and on the one hand, being with a larger team, you do have, you know, the access to resources and opportunities to get your feet wet in all of these different areas. On a smaller team, maybe it's a little bit less stressful and the stakes maybe not as high. So, you know, I would say it's it's probably six and one half dozen the other. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That was a perfect, uh, <laughs> perfect answer there. Here at the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast, we know that food is fuel and there are no good or bad foods. It's all about context and using different foods to maximize performance, health, and well-being. But nutrition planning can be time consuming. And as endurance athletes and women, we're pretty busy. Even if you know what you should be doing, it can be difficult to find the time to plan your daily nutrition to ensure you can perform at your best. That's where Fuelin comes in. The Fuelin program and app provides world-class nutrition coaching tailored for endurance athletes. Fuelin syncs with Training Peaks in today's plan, so you can confidently know you are fueling for the work you need to do. It's totally personalized based on gender, goals, and individual preferences. So new starting this week, Fuelin is giving our listeners 20% off your first month of the autopilot or co-pilot plan. So you just head over to fuelin.com to learn more and enter the code FEISTY on the checkout page. That's fuelin, F-U-E-L-I-N.com. And if you're not quite ready to sign up yet, you can visit fuelin.com and sign up for their newsletter and get a free copy of the Fuelin High Performance Recipe Book, along with other free nutrition tips. You know that saying, sex is like pizza, even when it's bad, it's still good? We fundamentally disagree. Sex can be bad, really bad, for a whole lot of reasons that some of us know all too well. But what if there was something that naturally boosted our arousal, enhanced our pleasure, and decreased discomfort? We got you, babe. Meet Apre Delight, a CBD intimacy oil that will make you scream, moan, or silently bask in pure joy. Apre Delight is women-owned and operated and is crafted from 100% natural and 100% USDA-certified organic ingredients. So if you're feeling inspired, go ahead and try it. You can have 20% off with the code PERFORMANCE. And I totally recommend checking out their Instagram page, at Apre Delight. It's filled with amazing art and captions that will make you think differently about female pleasure. As we're talking about this, you're on the road for so much of the year. So when you are in the off season, how do you sort of do that transition back to having like a life at home? And like, what do you do while you're on the road to maintain that life at home? Because like, I find this, I'm, you know, on the road constantly for work and it's hard to keep the friendships going back here while you're gone. But then you come home and you like, want to get going on them. It's, it's, it's tough. How, how have you figured it out? Um, I wouldn't say I have figured it out. Um, it is really hard. I do I do miss a lot of um, milestones uh, with family and friends, and I find that um, I often get forgotten about. Like I get, I miss the invitation to the wedding or to the party or something like that. Um, 
luckily I'm a closet introvert. So uh, when I get home, one, I'm like, whew, I need to just, you know, take some time to myself and, um, you know, like re-energize by myself. I become a bit of a hermit uh, and I'm totally cool hanging out by myself in my house. And I generally need a couple of days at the end of the season to just kind of like breathe or cry or like beat on some pillows or or something, just the emotional release of what was just accomplished and how it somehow happened. Um, and you know, it, it does take some effort to kind of, you know, start reaching back out to friends. Hey, I'm in town. Hey, let's go do this. Uh, and you know, all of, all of our, all of our friend groups, so to speak, they, they know exactly what it is that I do. And they know too, that it's nothing personal and I am super busy. Uh, and, um, luckily, you know, adult friendships are really hard, but they're also, um, full of life, um, and love and soul. And so you come back in and it's almost like you never left. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think what I've also noticed is that most of my friends now are having kids, so they're really busy with those. So it's it's less fraught than it was in like my mid-20s when I'd be gone and like I'd miss every party and all this stuff. Like they're not partying anymore. It's fine. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Plus I can come home and like I haven't seen their kids in a while, so they're very excited to see me and like play and stuff. So that's yes, totally. Fun. Like please take my child off my hands. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, I, I keep my cool aunt status that way. It's it's yes. perfect. <laughs> um, okay, uh, you must have so many amazing travel tips at this point. Are you like one of those people that has just the one suitcase packed and just like crushes it with the carry on, or have you figured out any any good tips for keeping everything together while you're on the road? Oh man, um, yeah. Gosh, I think. Uh, I have refined what I take with me. Um, it just gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So I'm not quite at the level where I'm only taking a carry on. However, I do have, um, clothes and shoes and things that I leave in Europe so that I don't have to bring them back and forth. They're generally team branded stuff, um, that, you know, I'm probably not going to wear all 20 of my live racing t-shirts in the off season. So 19 of them get to stay in Europe. Um, one thing that's super important for me is uh, the ability to control my um, coffee fate. So I have a travel coffee kit. Um, and one time this was um, this is this will always stay in my memory because of how distraught I was. One time it was lost uh, by an airline. One of my zippers was accidentally open and lesson learned there. I got locks for all of my zippers, but um uh, I was distraught and my partner replaced it uh, nearly immediately, but I have a little hand grinder that holds like a hundred grams or uh, maybe 50 grams. I don't, re I don't really speak in metric grams of coffee. Uh, and I have an AeroPress and I've got this little bag that I keep it all in. And you just like, you know, something as small as a cup of coffee, um, but you're in such varied locations. You just never know where your next like good cup of coffee is going to come from. So I take that fate into my own hands. Um, I also like to, if I'm going to be in Europe for long periods of time, I like to purchase toiletries over there and leave them there mm -hmm. uh, rather than hauling toiletries back and forth. Um, and I think that uh, luggage is key. Uh, the, the, the things that you're using to carry your stuff is truly key. And um, I've recently been really obsessed with um, Deuter's lineup. It's just like tried and true. It's simple, but very practical design. Uh, so I have their roller duffels. I have um, a, uh, a duffel backpack from them and my toiletry bag. 
Uh, I have a fanny pack. I like basically have one of everything, um, but it it withstands the test of time. Uh, it can be you know handled super roughly, and it it holds um, holds its shape, holds its uh, character, and so um, yeah, really perfecting the luggage game. Love it. Okay, this is a weird question, but. I've I've been, you know, in this manager side where you do have all the team branded stuff. You're just wearing like live stuff just around the clock. Have you, are you into, I guess, like finding ways to sort of like spice it up? Do you have a personal style that you like lean into on the road or are you just like, nope, it's just live branded and we just, we just own this. Oh, funny. Well, um, you're looking at me, uh, but necessaries are my thing. So I was going to say, that's why I asked the question. You have this lovely neckerchief on. Yeah. So um, whether it's a scarf, a necklace, a um, bandana, necessaries are my thing. Um, I like to spice it up that way. Um, <laughs> the very last World Cup this year, one of our athletes, uh, Reto, um, He's from Switzerland. He was retiring uh, at the end of the season, and that was his last World Cup. And it was a super special closing the circle um, uh, event for him. And I wore a traditional Bavarian dirndl. Now, dirndl is still, um, they wear it in parts of uh, Switzerland, but it's very much a, a German and um, Tyrolean Austrian thing. Uh, but I wore I wore that dirndl all day on Sunday from start to finish. Got lots of comments um, and compliments over, you know, just adding a little flavor uh, to the World Cup scene and um, not taking it so seriously. I do take it seriously, but we have some fun. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Now getting to the practical on the computer thing. Uh, as we were talking about before we hit record, you have a lot of things pinging on and off at you all day. We have like WhatsApp, Slack, email, just everything is happening. Um how do you how do you keep up with all of these moving parts, these projects, your inbox? I'm sure it's just bananas. Your calendar, I'm sure, is exploding. Like I know we said the spreadsheets, but like what does this actually look like for keeping everything organized? Uh it's it's really chaotic. <laughs> Super chaotic. Um, so I have like looking around and I've got like all kinds of post-it notes with like lines drawn through them. Uh my favorite, my favorite little um piece of paper, my pad that I use um at, at the top of it, it's just like get shit done. And then on one side, it's like easy shit. On the other side, it's hard shit. And at the bottom, it's tough shit and or like oh shit. And uh it's like, okay, I can prioritize these lists of things that need to happen. And you know, I do have um, several forms of communication uh, that I use with um, athletes, with staff, with our global marketing teams, with um, people from Live and Giant in general. And so I basically never know when some new tidbit of information or action item is going to come in. So I'm pretty much always with a, a pen and a piece of paper in hand to be able to just write it all down. Uh, and I just love the satisfaction of crossing things off the list. Um I, I do have a really good memory as well. So there's quite a lot that just exists up here in my head, which um, isn't helpful when I'm on vacation because no one can take over my job. Uh, but um, it's, you know, it's just an ongoing list of being able to check things off. And then um, 
the the role itself is also pretty cyclical. So the same things happen at the same time, more or less every year. So right now I'm booking stuff for next year. As we get to about a month out from events, I'm starting to do um, ground transportation, uh, flights, um, any kind of shipping and receiving, things like that. And so you get into a little bit of this um, cyclical rhythm of like, okay, well now it's time for this. Here's my checklist for all of these things. Now it's time for this, moving on to the next checklist. Love it. Have you figured out, like, do you have a little checklist for like when shit does go wrong? Like when the shipping and receiving doesn't happen or, you know, a bike gets damaged on the the way or one athlete is sick? Like, do you have sort of your your triage situation for like how you handle when these red alert things come up? Yeah, that's a great word to use it. It is. um, It is triage. Uh, I used to be pretty obsessive about planning and making sure that, you know, I had the A plus grade A 100% plan and even the contingency plans, but it is truly impossible and also a waste of time to try to imagine all the, all the possible things that could go wrong or just not right. So, um, I actually work with my own, um, uh, performance coach, sports performance, like mental health coach. And uh, I was, you know, existing in this world where everything was just so tight and working with her, I've been able to add more time. Well, I haven't been able to add more time in a day. Like, wouldn't I be a millionaire if I was able to do that, but create more time in the day for contingencies. So everything doesn't have to rely on the thing in front of it to go perfectly right. So, um, the environment and the culture that we've created on the team is super collaborative in that um, inevitably things are not going to go right 100% of the time. And so when that happens, it's a it's a quick uh, check-in with the people who are involved or affected to say, hey, what are all the possible um, answers or opportunities or solutions to this challenge? And, and what is the best possible option for us to move forward? And we make the decision as a team. And um, and I'm there to just orchestrate, making sure that the decision-making process happens and that we make it to the end point with everyone intact. I love that because especially what you just mentioned about, you know, being on vacation and no one can do your job, but at the same time, you are still, you know, relying on other people to come in with, you know, problem solving. So it's not like you're just trying to kind of like run everything yourself and be the one woman show. Uh, But it is very difficult. Like, I feel like you probably have the kind of inbox where if you did turn it over to someone for your vacation, you'd spend the next month trying to like undo everything that they did versus just like, let's just pause this for the week. It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. So because so much of this stuff is happening on this very rolling basis, um, did you ever, or do you ever struggle with the like sense of like, Oh my gosh, I need to get all of this done right now. Get everything booked, get all of the stuff, like just white knuckle through everything really fast. Um, because you know, the, the season is coming. Like, and we, we always joke, um, when we're talking, my husband's cycling coach, whenever we're talking, we're like, you know what? 2023 season is practically here. Like really, you know, rider, like people only have like another, like eight long rides before it's the first race of 2023. If you factor in, you know, holidays and school stuff and (laughs) this, so it comes real fast. So do you ever get that like overwhelm of just (laughs) everything like piling up? (laughs) I do. I do. I think, um, 
anybody who would tell you differently would be lying. <laughs> um, there's, yeah, there's definitely a, um, a sense of urgency and a feeling of overwhelm. And I think that, um, I think that's natural. And I think it's also, um, it indicates that it's something that you're passionate about and something that you care about. Uh, it's, it's also, you know, a good practice and kind of bringing everything back down to earth, finding your feet, feeling grounded and saying, okay, um, let's, triage, let's prioritize this, what needs to happen first. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of things that, uh, I don't, I don't get to be the ultimate decision maker on, um, you know, it's, it's very collaborative. So I'm working with my colleague, uh, on giant factory off-road team. I'm working with the live global marketing team in brand marketing and product marketing and gear marketing. Uh, I'm working with a product development team. I'm working with sales. I'm working with our individual sales companies. I'm working with all these different groups and, um, it is, I don't want to hold anybody else's work back. Uh, so try to be as quick to answer as possible. And then, um, making sure to use my, um, my urgent requests, uh, very sparingly, uh, so that when they come through, somebody knows really need an answer right away. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's, you know, back to the creating the list thing. It's like, okay, um, what can we accomplish? What's reasonable? Uh, what can wait? What needs to happen right now? And, you know, what is the contingency if, you know, this does, if this decision doesn't come in in time, how can we still continue to move forward? Setting boundaries, I guess, with all of these people. So, you know, you me we mentioned the, the pings, the notifications. Obviously, you have all these athletes that need to reach you. And what we were sort of talking about before we hit record is uh, you described yourself as a pineapple. And I really want you to just explain that uh, to the actual audience here, because I thought that was like the funniest thing I've ever heard, but also <laughs> such a good... Um, I think, I think as a team manager, you basically need to have this, uh, we'll call it prickly outer because otherwise you're going to end up with everyone changing their bookings at the last minute at every single race. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. So, um, my pineapple comment is that, um, uh, my perception of the way that I think other people perceive me is a little bit pineapple -y. um, you know, prickly and maybe, uh, a little slightly unapproachable on the exterior, but a relatively thin skin and really sweet and kind and bright and welcoming um, on the inside. Uh, but this does, <laughs> this does allow me to kind of like, uh, I don't know, I don't know if I ever want to say this, I'm gonna say it. Uh, I think that some of my athletes are a little bit scared of me, um, which is... <laughs> <laughs> I need okay to be. Fear is yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, uh, I I have said out loud before, if you're scared of me, it's probably because you should be. Um, but I, you know, I think that uh the boundaries are really tough. Um, it they're tough for me to set, they're tough for me to maintain. Um, and also because I'm working with a, a global team. Everyone is communicating on at a time that's convenient for them, which may or may not be a time that's convenient for me. And it's my own ability to kind of shut it off and say like, oh, I'm not responding to that WhatsApp message or, oh, please, you know, please don't WhatsApp me. Please send me an email um, that, you know, it's a work in progress. My athletes um, do know that while I have a really good memory, if they send me a text message or a WhatsApp um, with a request, I'm going to forget it. So the mantra is no email, no remember. So they know if they actually need something from me that's important, um, they better send an email so that I can make sure it stays in the inbox until it's completed. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's tough. It's really tough. And you know, when you're when you're passionate about racing and um you're passionate about the people that you're working with, um, it's really hard not to give them 100 percent of yourself 
100% of the time. And so again, working with my mental health coach um, to set and maintain boundaries. Um, and more importantly, I think is setting expectations so that everyone can help everyone else be successful. Oh, love it. Love it. Um, the inbox uh, just reminded So we, we didn't mention that when we were talking about like apps and stuff. Do you use the inbox as like your basically to-do list and how do you do that? Do you like, are you one of those like mark as unread if it like hasn't been dealt with people? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, um, and I also flag things that I'm waiting, I'm waiting for a response on. I flag it for follow-up and just leave it in the inbox. I have, um, I have a bazillion folders on the side, uh, that I sort everything into. And then I clear out the folders at the end of the year. So once 2022 is over, I have this beautiful, like vacuum cleaner effect of just like, I am deleting all of my receipts from 2022. Boom. Expense reports are done. I'm deleting all the logistics from 2022. Boom. Done. Um, so it's like the, a beautiful, um, like circular process there too, where you just like, you fill up your cup and you're like, you know, you reach the top and you're like, whew, I'm going to like spill all the water out of this cup and start over again. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Um, and okay. Coming back to boundaries, it's really hard to set the like life work boundaries when you really love what you do, especially when you're on the road and you're, you know, you're not paid to work 24 hours a day, but you are somehow now accessible these 24 hours. So how do you, how do you set those and maintain any kind of boundary between like life and work, especially when you are literally like on site with athletes? Nailed it. Um, <laughs> accessibility 24 hours a day. And that absolutely nails it. Um, yeah, this is interesting. I think, um, there may be a few other um, people out there um, in the circuit who are in a similar situation, um, but something that's unique is um, my partner and I both work for uh, the team. And so we're generally traveling together. So on the one hand, that's super great. On the other hand, I can like look to my left and I see his desk and uh, we are generally working side by side on the same things in our bedroom. And there is, um, it's very fluid, this relationship between work and personal life. Um, I also accept um, and receive uh, shipments into my house and I send them out from my house. I do have um, I do have an external storage area, team storage area, which has been super helpful in um, maintaining a boundary. At one point, a lot of team storage lived in my house and that was a no go any longer. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that um, I think that it's yeah, it's just like it's a work in progress. And it's something that I find for myself, I have to, I have to know not only schedule time for myself, um, and, and actually put it in the schedule for everyone else to see, but, but modeling that behavior, what I expect other people to be doing as well is super important. So, um, I've started these two things. I call them power hours and flower hours. Flower hour is like kind of a play on words. It's F L O U R. That's where myself and one other person or a small group would go out for coffee and pastry and just catch up and have personal time together. Um, and then power hour is like, Hey, go do something that's going to like refill you, re-energize you, whether that's, you know, bike ride, trail run, um, nap, read a book, go get your own cup of coffee, go eat an entire pizza, you know, whatever that is. Um, but I, I put those into our logistics documents so that everyone can see, Hey, this is your block to do this. And you can expect me to be doing this during this time as well. Oh, I love that. And Okay. Do you and your partner have any boundaries on like 
no work talk at breakfast or like anything like that. Because I this is something that I'm yelling at my husband about all the time. Like that is our, like, I'm like, I'm reading a book. This is not time to discuss anything about our website or anything about work, anything. Yeah, totally. Um, yes, but no. Um, we really, uh, we're really trying hard to keep the cell phones uh, out of like the bed space. Um, it's like, okay, when you're on your cell phone, generally speaking, you're either doing the doom scroll or you're checking email and that can wait. That's not important. Um, you know, Drew does always ask me, he's like, Hey, can I ask you a work question? Hey, is now a good time? And I think that's super important. And I try really hard to do the same for him. Um, and, uh, let's see what else. Um, you know, maybe this is like the verge on personal, but earlier this season, he um, he did have a moment. We were like on a walk in Albstadt, Germany, and he was like, hey, you know, I'm I'm feeling neglected as your partner, which is a weird thing to say because I see you 24-7, 365, but you're in work mode so much that just as your partner, not at work. you know, I'm feeling a little bit neglected. And that was a little bit of an eye opener for me to revisit setting those boundaries um, and making sure that I am um, creating a little bit more black and white between work and life rather than existing in this gray area, which is super easy for the both of us to do because we're just surrounded by it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've definitely been there, like living in a house with athletes and having pretty much that same exact conversation. So uh, I think that happens. And I mean, it's, it's great that you're actually able to have that discussion about it. So I think that's, that's like such an amazing thing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay. Uh, Let's talk women's racing for a hot minute as we sort of edge toward the end of this. Um, Cape Epic, you were just there. There was an all-women crew and there were two women's race teams. Why is that so important? Especially like the racing teams, amazing, but also the staffing, like that's huge. So why is this so important? Well, I think that um, kind of like uh, looking at the... um, looking at the mission and the community that live as a brand has created uh, is all about creating more space and more opportunities for women. And so live racing as an extension of the brand um, thus is, you know, one of, one of the things that we're hoping to do is create more opportunities for women in professional cycling. And it's not just, you know, um, equitable pay, equitable opportunities as an athlete, It's also about creating equitable opportunities for uh, women in staff roles. And I think, well, not I think, I know that there are not very many women who are doing these jobs. Uh, When I look around at other teams, I see um, women physios, maybe I see uh, women soigneurs or uh, women chefs. I see there's a a handful of other women team managers. Uh, There's um, Tracy Mosley is a a coach. Um, Maybe she's also an assistant manager or something with Trek Factory Racing. So there's a handful of other women out there, but there aren't many. And I think um, I could be wrong here, but looking around, I know of three other women. um, I know of three women mechanics uh, at this professional level at World Cup uh, races. Two of them are on my staff and the other one is a um, race tech with Fox Factory. So if we if we want uh, more diversity in this realm, we we kind of have to give uh, diverse people these opportunities. And I think that 
Um, Liv is in a, is in a position where, and I am specifically in a position where I can do that. So I had somebody ask me recently, you know, okay, well, yeah, you want to hire women. That's super great. But if a man also applies for the job and is more qualified, you're going to hire the man. Right. And I said, well, no, not necessarily. I, I, I cannot teach soft skills, but I can help hone hard skills and I can help create racecraft. Nobody starts being a race mechanic with racecraft because you've never had that opportunity before. And you don't get the opportunity to build that if you're never given the opportunity in that job. So I'm here, we're here to kind of say, hey, there's a space for you here. Um, if you if you see it, you can dream it, you can be it. Um, we wanna see more women um, and more diversity uh, in professional cycling, outside of cycling um, athlete roles. And we can show you one, that we can do it, uh, and two, that it works. Yeah. And it is, it is tricky because like the, the flip side is I see a lot of, uh, you know, the problem that a lot of these things have is the schedules are so short, right? It's like half a season. So it is this contract work. So there's a lot of like younger guys who can get into it and like can afford it, but it's like almost the same problem that uh, a lot of women racers leave where they're like, yeah, it turned out I could make more money working at Starbucks than I can racing a bike, um, so it is such a, such a tough sell. So it's great to see brands actually like putting the effort into like making, making these roles happen. And hopefully I think actually, as we're getting toward a more like year round schedule for racing, uh, there's, there's more of these year round opportunities if someone wants to really lean into it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, we, we pay our staff, uh, one of two different ways. One is on a yearly salary where you're just getting the, you know, same paycheck every month for 12 months, regardless of how much you worked for us that month. Uh, and then another one is on a, a per diem basis where I say, Hey, I'm going to pay you X amount of dollars per day. Uh, and then you invoice me at the end. Um, and I'll, you know, pay the invoice. Um, I think that, um, I think that there's some social and domestic burden put on women, um, particularly, uh, that's, that is also a bit of a roadblock, um, or a hurdle at the very least, um, to entering this kind of work. Um, but we're really trying, you know, going back to setting expectations. Um, I like to, you know, over-communicate and set, set expectations and desires super early. And so, you know, right now I'm, I'm talking to, um, a new chef, I'm talking to a new physio and I'm saying, Hey, this is, this is the schedule that I have for you. Um, here's what I'm going to pay you for this amount of work within this amount of time. Um, do you have a job where this can, can fit in or how can we, how can we kind of recreate or reshape the opportunity so that it can work for you? Does that mean that you only come to half of the races and I fill in with somebody else the other half? So now I give two people opportunities or, um, you know, with remote work, uh, one of the physios that I'm speaking with has a, um, has a remote um, physiotherapy, biotherapy uh, role that she does. And she's like, I can take this anywhere. Let's go. Uh, so that's super cool. And, and then with mechanics too, we kind of just say like, hey, you know, the season's gonna be super busy from this time to this time. Outside of this time, you want to go work at the bike shop, you go do your thing. I think that's super great. Um, but we try really hard to respect um, the personal lives of the people that we're hiring and do what we can to make it work. It's a, um, a growth mindset um, rather than a resources limited mindset. Love it. Love it. Now, is there a job board for these things? Like where do people find these opportunities with, with live, but also just in general, because I feel like there's a, it's very like word of mouth for a lot of it. Yeah, it, it still is. And I think that this is an area um, where we have room to improve um, or at least to, 
kind of show what opportunities look like. So um, mechanics and staff that I've hired in the past have been word of mouth, generally from staff that I've already hired. They know they know what I'm like to work with. They know the vibe of the team, the culture, things like that. Uh, and they say, you know, I might say, hey, I'm looking for a couple more women mechanics. Do you have any recommendations? I also reach out to industry partners as well. Um, Sarah Gerald at SRAM is a great one. Uh, she's super well connected. Um, and Sarah, hey, you know, do you do you have any mechanics on your radar that I could, you know, maybe put on my radar? Um and I like to, I like to give people an opportunity to like try before they buy, you know, let me hire you on a, on a contract basis, um, per DM basis for a couple of events. You try me out. I try you out and make sure it's a good fit and that you know what you're getting yourself into. Um, and we've seen this work really well in terms of success, um, uh, kind of assimilating, so to speak into, um, the race world when you haven't had that experience in the past. Um, but yeah, I, other, other than that, um, I would, I would guess that opportunities that would be, um, really good is like the grow cycling, um, job board, or maybe even camber outdoors, some places where you can post like, Hey, we're looking for mechanics to add to our, our list, you know, please send us your resume and we'll, we'll keep you on file for when we have an opening. Yeah. And probably even following all of these teams on social and like keeping an eye out. Cause I know sometimes they're tweeting it. I mean, sometimes you can even message and just see, and you know, you might not get a response or you might get a response. So never, never a bad idea to at least like yeah. touch and see. The UCI, <laughs> the UCI website, um, uh, posts the contact information for team managers. And I've gotten a lot of, um, cold emails, so to speak, from all kinds of athletes and staff just saying, hey, looking for a role. Um, do you have anything available? And sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Um, you kind of have to dig a little bit, but the UCI website is super great for finding contact information. And, you know, among teams, we all talk, we're all friends. Uh, and so generally, like if I don't have an opportunity, but I know someone who does, I'd be the you know first person to say, hey, you should go talk to this team. I know that they're um, they're looking for folks. Love it. Um, okay. One of the last things I wanted to touch on here, and this is kind of a, a, a weird question, I acknowledge, but I think it's an important one. So especially as, as a woman, I, I personally have had this feeling, especially as a team manager, that there was an expectation to be at a certain fitness level, uh, to be taken seriously, like within the space, even now where I'm working just like as a content director with the team, I actually felt like the need to kind of put out like, oh yeah, I just did X, Y, Z thing. Like just to kind of like set this, like who I am and like, okay, we've acknowledged that. Um, and I, I noticed that the staff, the male staff on teams tend to be less uh, on the super fit side. Some of them are, some of them are great, great cyclists, but that's not like par for the course when we're talking about like team management and team staff. Thoughts, feelings? I have so many thoughts and so many feelings. Yes. <laughs> um, I actually had, I wouldn't call it a meltdown, but I had a little bit of a freak out when I first took um, this job in uh, at the end of 2019. I I looked to Drew and was just like, oh my God, I need to get in shape. And he's like, what? Why? <laughs> I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to be the largest woman out there. And he's like, no, no, you're for sure not. No, you're definitely not. But I I definitely felt like part of this imposter syndrome not only was like, am I qualified, but it was also, am I fit enough? And I mean, 
Yeah, I think that there's a level of fitness that um, is really important for the ability to do the job. Um, you're on your feet all day. You're walking around. You're track walking. You need to be able to get from point A to point B. Um, also, just for your mental health, it like if your body feels good, chances are your mind's going to feel a little bit better, or at least it's not going to hurt your your mental capacity. Um, but <laughs> like you know fluffy, if, if you want to call it that, like both of us are a little bit fluffy and, uh, it's really nice to get out on bike rides. Um, it's also really nice to eat pastries. And I think that, um, you kind of have to refocus on what are you there to do? There are, um, team staff and team managers that they're riding every day. They're running every day. They're out there exercising. That's super great. Haven't quite made it there, um, myself. Um, but you know, I think that, I think that the the pressure that I felt was self-inflicted and that there isn't that external pressure, um, but for sure it exists. Oh my gosh. That's the best answer I've heard to this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Am I fit enough for this job? Like that's, that's exactly it though. Um, and I mean, I think especially like when you're a woman managing a women's cycling team and you're surrounded by all of these super, super fit mountain bikers all the time, uh, it's very easy to to feel like, oh man, I'm not a pro athlete. <laughs> totally. I'm pretty sure I would need an e-bike to make it like one lap around an XCO course. I've actually never ridden an XCO course um, because I'm just like super intimidated by it. Actually, uh, I walk them all the time and maybe it's, maybe it's different when you're on the bike. Like those uphills don't seem as steep. But I'm like, man, these courses are really hard. I'm just not sure I could do a bike, a lap on an analog bike. <laughs> I'm sure you could, but at the same time, I'm also like, I would, I'm the exact same boat because I would be just petrified of like crashing and like breaking a wrist or something like that's, that's what would happen right there. How am I supposed to use my pen on my clipboard if I break my wrist? Yeah. The clipboard, <laughs> you're in trouble. <laughs> oh my gosh. Amazing. Okay. Well, I don't want to take up more of your day since you have endless to-do lists, but let everyone know where they can sort of follow along with all of the, the wild adventures. Welcome to share personal or the team or both all the, all the social where can we find Yeah. It? Yeah. Um, you can find um, Live Factory Racing, Live Racing Collective, as well as the other teams and ambassadors that we sponsor on the Live Cycling uh, global website. It's live-cycling.com. Um, if you're interested in following me on Instagram, you can find me at liz.beyond. Amazing. Also hilarious. Uh, <laughs> the, the Live Beyond. Yeah. <laughs> you are just so like sponsor correct. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm totally. <laughs> I just almost was like, well, Liv, it's been great having you, but Liz, it's been great having you. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on and hopefully we'll uh, we'll cross paths at one of these races sometime soon. Thanks so much, Molly. I, I actually commented just the other day. I was like, oh, well, li Live Beyond has not been the tagline of Liv in a while. So every time they do a new brand campaign, should I change my Instagram handle? Should I be Liz committed right now? I don't know. Yes, uh yes, you should. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much, Molly. It was such a pleasure to talk to you um, and uh, really look forward to hopefully seeing where this podcast takes um, the viewers um, into the future. All right. I hope you enjoyed that chat with Liz Walker. I definitely did. Um, I think a couple of my big takeaways were 
first of all, just the 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 key to getting through a busy season like this is just being as organized as possible, but also as ready for stuff to go wrong as possible, because I can definitely attest to this during any of these race weekends or, you know, busy work weeks in life, something's going to go a little sideways and we can be as prepared as possible for it. But the other, you know, main main thing about it is being ready for when something goes wrong to calmly handle it and you know just figure out our next best action so i think that's that's so key huge fan of her spreadsheets and docs approach to things uh it's funny actually what i've realized from talking to a lot of these women who have a lot of like heavy travel uh, is that they're not really using these fancy travel apps or anything like that. They're sort of just sticking within the the Google suite of just basic tools. And I sometimes think we get really a little too into, you know, this app, this app, this app, when really the stuff that we're already using could be exactly what we need. Uh, so I thought that was just really interesting to hear from someone who is trying to coordinate, you know, again, dozens of these riders and still not doing a travel app to do so. Um, and I also just really loved all of her thoughts on bringing more women into the industry and just trying to make sure we have room for them and making sure that, you know, we are being flexible because part of the reason I think that the industry has managed to stay so low in how many women are in it is because previously we weren't really flexible with how the industry was bringing on people. It was, you know, you're on a contract for the season, which means you're living over in Europe for six months or, you know, you're doing X, Y, and Z. Um, but it seems like, uh, you know, Liz is really making an effort to try to make being in these roles more doable for people who maybe do have families or friends at home that they, they want to connect with. So hopefully... This episode gave you a lot of food for thought. I know it did for me. Uh, and head over to OutspokenSummit.com. Head to Feisty Media all over the Instagram. You can find Live Cycling at Live-Cycling.com. And I am over on Instagram or wherever else you're looking as at Molly J. Herford. Thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next week. Endurance sports should be accessible to everyone, right? That's why we are so excited to be partnering with Motive. Motive is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world today with thousands of amateur athletes signing up every month and a nearly perfect 4.9 star rating in the app store. You are not a template and your training plan should not be either. Prepare for running races, triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, or swim runs, however your season schedule shapes up, and get training written by some of the best coaches in the world in each discipline who know what it takes to help amateur athletes reach their goal on race day. The app takes the training written by those experts and then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. Plus, the training is fully customized to your race schedule. How much you can train each week, your current abilities, and the goals you want to achieve in your race. You can use the app for free as long as you want, or get all the upgraded features from the app for just $19.99 a month. But, as a feisty listener, you can sign up at mymotive.com 
and use the code FEISTY for two months of full premium access. That's right, you get two months of premium for free. So you quite literally have nothing to lose. So head over to mymotive.com, M-Y-M-O-T-T-I-V.com and use the code FEISTY, F-E-I-S-T-Y. And on a personal note, I know the founder of Motive and he is driven to make triathlon and all endurance sports more accessible for the athletes who care about their performance, but who aren't quite ready for a full-time personal coach. If that sounds like you, definitely try the app for two months for free. You literally have nothing to lose. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are so excited to be working with Hedda's. Hedda's designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedda's unlocks the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research, creates better shoes for women that support their longevity and performance, and establishes new design standards to promote transparency in a male-biased industry. Hedda's have a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and to allow for female toe shape, a special kind of plate in the midsole to keep tired legs going, a narrow heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take the pressure off our Achilles, and a rounded instep to create a snug fit. Hedda's has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've personally been running in the Alma Cruise and I love them. It's the shoe I always wanted and never knew I needed. The fit is perfect in every way. You can get your own pair of Hedda's at Hedda's.com and use the code FEISTY20 for 20% off. That's FEISTY20 at Hedda's.com and it will all be in the show notes. As we head into summer, rest and recovery are critical for improving sports performance, reducing stress, and living a long and healthy life. We should all invest in better sleep. So think about the thing you lay your head on for eight hours a night. If it's not exactly right for you, it can lead to needless tossing and turning, or worse, have you waking up with an unrelenting kink in your neck. My new Lagoon pillow has helped me improve my sleep immensely by pairing me with the performance pillow that has everything I need. So I personally was matched with the Otter pillow, shout out to Team Otter, which I love because it has a gentle cooling effect. And I was able to choose how much stuffing I wanted in it, which is super important to me because I'm doing a decent amount of CrossFit these days and my shoulders are kind of creaky. So having a pillow that is stuffed just to the right height keeps my neck and head in exactly the right position and comfortable for the entire night. And as of fall 2023, Lagoon launched their 100% mulberry silk pillowcases. It's cool to the touch, buttery soft, and great for your skin and hair. 
You've got to go check out this pillowcase if you want to feel great and look great every morning. Waking up for morning workouts has never felt better. I'm refreshed and pain-free thanks to my Lagoon pillow. To check it out for yourself, go to lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance and take the two-minute sleep quiz to find your perfect pillow match. And then use the code PERFORMANCE for 15% off your first purchase. That's code PERFORMANCE at lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance, whole 15% off, and the link is in the show notes. You can just click through there.